to the Beer Conspiracy Show. It's a comedy podcast where three best buds sit around and talk about the supernatural, conspiracy theories, true crimes, and more. Pretty much anything weird. Now, we tend to pull no punches, so a mature listening audience is advised. But if you like to have a good time, then crack open a cold one, pull up a chair, and hang out with the boys of the Beer Conspiracy Show. and soft-spoken and very smart and with his twinkly blue eyes he could you know get somebody to maybe to trust him gossip has its place in society sometimes but i'm just not going to say any more about him soon or myself right now by the model that there's no defense against the truth, but sometimes it's hard to find out what the truth is. Talk any more about Ensoon's problems or my problems, because frankly, you're not my priest, and you're not my doctor. Hey, uh, your priest came back. You know your other name, right? Curtis or Gerald or Jerry or whatever name you're going by this week. Curtis Kimball. Curtis Kimball. Or Gerald uh, Mock... What's his name? Mockerman? Mockerman. Right. Ring a bell? No. no. Yeah, that's who you are, man. All right, everybody. What's up? Thank you for tuning in to the Beer Conspiracy Show. If you're a repeat customer, we appreciate you listening. If you're new, touch our PPs. So tonight I'm going to be talking about a serial killer that you probably never heard of. It's called the Chameleon Killer. But before we get into that, we're going to kick it over to Dirty D for Dirty D's Dirty News. Welcome to the segment of Dirty D's Dirty News. Mystery poop rains down on cars and drive-through. Family says, "Look at the picture. It's like diarrhea spray." Oh, gross! Do we know what restaurant? I do not think so. Definitely a Taco Bell, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Burnsville, Minnesota. After a stinky mess believed by a Minnesota family to be feces rained down on multiple cars in a drive-through, the origins of the substance still unknown. You gotta taste it to make sure what it is. Well, they said it smelled bad. You gotta taste it to <laughs> see if it is what it smells like. Easier said than done. Like any other day, Carissa Brown and her son were waiting in the drive through line Monday at Caribou Coffee. So is that a Caribou Coffee? It's probably just coffee. Could be. In Burnsville, and suddenly some foul-smelling stuff fell from the sky. Coffee don't smell like turds. Oh, it could be poop from an airplane like an... Uh... Yeah, but Joe Dirte. But we did a story about that before, and it was like the, a bunch of turds, like frozen. It wasn't just splatter. It was like a dude in his backyard. Oh, yeah. and it hit his I mean, umbrella. I, don't, I don't know how high planes are up. 
Not, I don't think they're high enough for your poop to freeze. But that's what happened. I thought that was from the spacecraft. I don't know. The Joe Bezos one, or they... Oh, their toilets were backed up or something. You don't remember I don't, that I one? I do, but I don't think they dumped it on the people. I don't remember. Maybe uh-huh. they did. That's too far away. Sounds like something Jeff Bezos would yeah. do. Turd on people's cars. Free two-day <laughs> delivery. Here's your shit. <laughs> I was waiting in line, getting my daily coffee, and all of a sudden, brown dropped onto my vehicle. It's never good when anything brown comes near your vehicle. Unless you have a brown vehicle. No. <laughs> Brown said, it was like it rained brown for a second. I got out, and I went to the car in front of me. I was like, what just happened to us? And he was like, I have no idea. Hey, what happened? Cool story. Smells like poop, though. (laughs) Smells like goddamn sewer. Brown says her car and that of the driver in front of her were fully covered in the substance, which Brown believes was fesses. Her name is Brown, (laughs) and the... Poop was brown, and her car was brown. No. Well, the picture of the car was white. Okay. So she believes it was feces. That's nasty. I was looking around like, who threw that at us? (laughs) (laughs) But it was very high. It came straight down. The accent's not necessary. (laughs) Just throw a little flare in there. It hit on my roof, on my hood. It was all the way down my side. Gross. Of her car, right? I guess. I hope. I was trying to think of the lyrics to that Yin Yang Twin song. To the s- what? When, to Into, the windows, to the walls. <laughs> the that feces one? dropped down my balls. <laughs> also, my child was with me, so I'm glad the windows weren't open. Brown's young son described the experience. Brown's young experience. son. <laughs> Brown's young son. Something landed on my mom's car, he said. It stinked. It was poop. <laughs> Straight to the point. <laughs> yeah. Brown didn't see a flock of birds nearby, but I mean, birds shit white, not brown. True. Or anything else she thought may have caused the substance to fall, so confusion and repulsion reigned. The odor was so strong that was the- Was that in quote, reigned? No, they- Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wrong, different kind of rain. Oh, my fault. The odor was so strong that the woman who was handing me the coffee noticed how much it smelled. I mean, my cat had something similar to it this morning, so I had a lot today with the poop. Where are you getting your news articles from? (laughs) Poop.com? Poopy poop. Dot poop. You smell like fucking cat turds, lady. Here's your coffee. (laughs) Brown, who studied to be an aircraft mechanic, doubt it, adds that the residential area is under a flight path, and a waste dump from a plane may explain the situation. Why do you doubt it? It's a woman. Oh... Uh, Am I right? Was, I thought she was black. Because her name's Brown? You think she's black? <laughs> I don't think it works oh, that way. <laughs> I'll have to cut that cut that out. <laughs> what I should we was name like... our, our new child? Well, she's brown. Let's name her Brown. I thought it was like, meet the Browns. <laughs> what color were they? I don't know. Black. Is that a movie? It's a TV show. Oh, I've never heard of it. I don't know why that would happen here. I didn't know that there was even a way to release it mid-flight, so that's why I'm a little confused. I'm going to look into it. It's not that big a deal that you need to fucking look into it. Just go in the car wash. Despite everything, Brown completed her transaction and got her daily coffee. I mean, if I'm in line getting coffee and somebody shits on my car, I'm not going to not get coffee anymore, right? Why would I stop? Um... It's going to take a lot to stand between me and my coffee, she said with a laugh through her brown mouth, according to Aaron. 
The Sorry. Metropolitan Airports Commission said that they are not aware of any incidents related to flight activity. I mean, I understand, like, is there a second story to this place, or what? A second story to this place? Well, where did the poop come from? They don't know. It's a mysterious mystery. Well, you thought somebody That's why the title her... was called Mystery Poop Rains Down. You thought... I thought she was on Taco Bell, and it made sense, but oh, it wasn't yeah. Taco Bell, so... It was a coffee shop, which, I mean, coffee gives you a poop, so somebody... Oh, you thought somebody shit on the car, so obviously somebody would have to be above that car to shit on it. So, my theory... Unless they threw it. Somebody drank 15 cups of coffee while they were doing something on the computer. They go to leave. They sneeze. As they sneeze, they hunch over. Turds evacuate. Go airborne. Vaporize. Reform into droplets. Fall onto the car. In like a frozen meteor type situation? No, it's not frozen. Okay. It's just like a spray. So this person is evacuating from both sides. Well, sneeze. if you consider a sneeze an evacuation. I think you're evacuating bacteria, right? Or like pollen pollen and stuff? I don't know. I don't know the science behind... Well, that's Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's a shart, right? Is that what a shart is? Where you yeah. sneeze and fart, you but shit it's poop? Fart, shit, fart. Shit, fart. Okay, so what's a sneeze fart? You never a thought you never put that together, did you? Well, I knew it was something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what's a sneeze poop? What the fuck is that? It might be doo-doo. A snoop. A snoop. She snooped all over him. That's nice. Trademarked by the Beer Conspiracy yep. Show. Snoop it on out. That concludes... This episode, segment of Dirty Desert News. Okay, 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 okay. Alright, that was Dirty D's Dirty News. Let's go ahead and get into our topic today. I'm gonna do the best I can, but shit happens. Good one. Snoop happens. <laughs> Snoop happens. <laughs> Aaron's under the influence of cocaine. Don't tell the man. And PCP. Can you please offer me one more beer and then I'll go ahead. Another one. He's also drinking Bud Light. Nope. Yingling. American for beer. What the fuck is that? No. That's a yingling American for beer. Americans don't eat strawberries. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they don't pick them. Yeah, they do. All right. So our story. It's a serial killer. Yeah. Like I said before the start of the episode, this is a serial killer that's not very well known. So our story is so Very fucked up. Our story is going to begin in Allenstown, New Hampshire in 1985. So this little kid, Jesse Morgan, and his friends are playing in the woods, a kind of a tag game, but the seeker is on a fucking four-wheeler. And the other people are running? Yes. Okay, that sounds safe. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's probably a three-wheeler back then, too. But then we have four-wheelers back then? I don't know. I don't remember I had three-wheelers when I was little. Let's go with that. With the times, it was actually a three-wheeler. Deemed unsafe, and you had to have a fourth wheel. You can't argue with that, though, right? (laughs) I guess. Did you ever flip your three-wheeler? No. Mm. I never had one. I just rode on the back of other people's. Thought you did. Mm. You did. You got four-wheelers. You didn't have a three. I rode a three-wheeler at somebody's house. I could have swore you had a like a green or black four-wheeler, and then a red three-wheeler. No, they're both four-wheelers. The red one was just smaller. But it had no four way. wheels. I could have swore we had a three-wheeler. But all my aunts and uncles had three-wheelers when I was little, and we'd ride the three-wheeler. But they don't make them anymore. They gotta charge you for that fourth wheel. They do make a car version. Yeah, but it's backwards, right? No, it's they two got the, in the one front that's in one the... in the back. Yes. But then, no, you're right. You're right. It's backwards. So their playing field was the Bear Brook State Park Woods. Woods. <laughs> that was worse. <laughs> Their playing field was the Bear Brook State Park Woods, 
which the trailer park, the Bear Brook Gardens mobile home park, so same long. words, <laughs> sat on the edge of. So the park consists of 10,000 acres of woods and marsh. Yeah, it's huge. And a lot of it being like undeveloped land. There's no trails or anything. Nobody goes to most of it. So the friends are in the middle of a heated game of four-wheeler tag. When tag one of, the fag? Yeah. <laughs> Smear the queer. You remember that yeah. game? Uh, one of the boys notices a 55-gallon drum in the distance. So they all surround just a weird thing to find in the woods. One boy lifts the lid off, and they're hit with the terrible smell Gross. of death. They tip over the barrel, and like a whitish fluid comes uh, out of it. Probably, full of cum. Yeah. Uh. Uh, semen is is another kind of milk. And Jesse Morgan compared it to rotten milk. He thought it was milk coming out. <laughs> We found a barrel of milk in the woods, boys. Yeah. No, they got scared and they ran off. And then I think he, Jesse might have told his mom about it, but nothing ever really came of it. What we have here, boys, is a barrel of cum. It is not weird to find a barrel of cum in the woods. <laughs> a 50-gallon barrel of cum. I save mine all the time. So that take at least three days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now, several months later after that, on November 10th, a couple of hunters stumble upon the same barrel. They contact the police to report the object. Officer Ron Montplacer responds to the call and seeing the hunted look on the hunter's faces, he has them stay by the car while he goes to investigate the barrel. He sees the contents wrapped in plastic. He removes the plastic only to see a face Gross. staring back at him. So inside the plastic wrap were the bodies of a woman. She was about 23 and a child. She was about 9 to 10. So he immediately calls for backup, and the whole town is on alert. And this being a small town, they were, like, deputizing citizens to help keep the media back from the incident. You're a cop. You're a cop. Yeah, pretty You're much. You're a cop. We're all cops. I'm a dick. He's a dick. She's a dick. We're all this. Hey! After going door to door to ask if any residents had noticed anybody missing, the case goes cold as they're unable to identify the bodies. Two years later, the remains are released to the town, and they bury them in a plot donated by the church with a headstone also de- donated by headstone. So was it? It wasn't like company. skeleton. It was. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was. I don't know how it works in a barrel. Did they? Well, they don't know how long it was there. Or? They don't know how long it was there, but I mean, he said a face looking at him, but I right. mean, a skull maybe meant a skull face. Yeah, skull with stretched skin on it. Yeah, maybe. So moving on, that was in 1985, moving on to 1986. In Scotts Valley, California, a man named Gordon Jensen and his five-year-old daughter Lisa move into the Holiday Host RV Park with their truck camper. So Gordon takes a job as the handyman of the park, and the two befriend residents of the RV park, especially temporary residents of the RV park, Richard and Kathy Decker. So Lisa began playing with the Decker's grandson, and they would watch the child when Gordon was working. What were you saying? Decker? Okay. That one? Yeah. That's her last name, Decker. Okay. <laughs> I did that was saying Decker, right? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so Lisa began playing with the Decker's grandson, and they would watch the child <laughs> when Gordon was working. They noticed that Lisa was very thin, dirty, a lot of the time, and also they would hear her crying at night in their little truck camper. Do you remember them things? I think they just put them like on the bed of the camper, like just, bed of the truck. Okay, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking that's about. It's just t- like a cover to the... Pretty much. That's what they lived in? Yeah, that's a terrible place for yeah. a kid. Terrible place for anybody. 
Yeah, I guess. We liked riding around in them when we were kids. I didn't know. I've never been in one. Is there like Somebody, furniture or anything? Oh, no, or it's just a bed of a truck, but it's also covered. So it's just a cover? Yeah. Nothing? Okay. I thought it was like putting like a little miniature camper on a truck. No, it just covers it so you can put stuff in there and if it rains it don't, you know, and people can't steal it. I don't think we're thinking of the same thing. It's like an RV, but on your truck. You One you pull behind your truck? No, like, you don't remember the ones? It's just, it looks it's a regular like a truck. piece of an RV and then just put it on the back of the truck. Camper. I don't know. I'm thinking of just a regular truck and it's got the cover that's got like the windows and stuff. No, no, the bigger than that. Okay, I don't know. Okay. So it's like a, like a camper, but it's just the front of it's a truck instead of like a whole built. Well, I mean, it's just a truck, but then you buy that thing and then you put it on the bed. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm um, not white trash enough to know that. No, nah, you're one of the good ones. Otherwise, <laughs> we wouldn't let you on this show. Uh, so Gordon confided in the Deckers that he was having trouble raising the girl since her mother died of can. He said her mother died of cancer. She died in a robbery gone wrong. And I think she was in a store. Somebody robbed the place. And she ran out the store and she got hit by a car. So he gave multiple reasons. Yeah, okay. he would keep changing his story. She ran out the store and had cancer and died on the way out. It's a good story. <laughs> so his the Deckers replied that their daughter wasn't able to have a child. Another one. Just realized you have a Hitler donkey on your refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. So the Deckers replied that their daughter wasn't able to have a child and was thinking of adoption. They agreed to a trial adoption of two weeks for Lisa. So the Deckers take the girl to San Bernardino. Wait, where... so why are they wanting to adopt this kid? Cause she's oh, because her daughter is unable to conceive. Wait, what? So they're, they they oh they want oh because uh, I said Gordon told him that he was uh, having trouble raising the girl. Okay, so and they, they just, noticed that she was skinny and right. So they just were like, "We'll adopt her." Yeah, well, they were like, "Well, our daughter can't conceive, and she's been thinking about adopting." So, so we'll take your shit, kid. Yeah, why don't we just? And then the guys like, "All right," and I mean, they play with their grandson, so they. They got to kind of interact with the girl, and they already knew her, and they liked her. Okay. Kind of weird, but... Very weird. But it's the 80s. True. They do some weird shit in the 80s. Flock of seagulls. You ever seen their hair? No. It's fucked up. Weird 80s. Don't like that. <laughs> All right. So, um, like I said, uh, Gordon agreed to a trial adoption for his daughter. Two weeks. He, so he just gave them to these people. That's so weird. Yeah. Um, so... You know, you're right. She is kind of dirty. Why don't you go ahead and take her? He was just like, I can't raise this girl. She smells because she doesn't shower. (laughs) Well, you don't have a shower, sir. She's always fucking crying at night when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, sounds miserable. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... How old was the kid, did you say? Five years old. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking older. No. So they took the girl to San Bernardino where they introduced Lisa to their daughter and son-in-law. So things became strange when Lisa began showing signs of abuse. She touched the son-in-law. She diddled the... Inappropriately. This is the adult or the child? This would be her adopted dad. Okay, so the man. She... Yeah. She tried to touch him and she, he, I hope he was like, hey, don't what do that. What the fuck is this? Yeah. Instead of, oh, that feels nice. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. Well, I mean, if he's telling everybody, I'm sure he was not okay with it. Unless it happened, and then he just told a different story. After. Yeah. True, but unlikely. Unlikely. 
and she would talk about how her father Gordon, the things that he did to her. Gross. They don't really say explicitly what she did, but the cops would say she was just severely molested and tortured. Um, they report the situation to authorities and go back to the RV park to find Gordon gone. The police try to find the true identity of Gordon Jensen by taking prints off of a security system that he installed at the RV park. Remember, he's working as a handyman. Right. So he did. Like one cop was like, they asked the manager of the RV park, "What did this guy do?" They were like, oh, "Where could we get prints?" And he was like, "Well, he did install that security system." And they had a box with all the components and stuff in it. And he's the only one touched it. Right. So they did notice he did wipe it clean of prints on the outside. But not on the inside. So that's where they got, I think they said eight print. Kind of weird, though, that he wiped his prints off. Would you think to do that? Well, I mean, if I'm installing something and then I notice it's all smudgy because I touched all over it, I would wipe it down. Okay. I didn't think about that. After analyzing the prints, the results came back that Gordon Jensen, this guy we're talking about, was actually Chris Curtis Kimball. So how do they do that shit in the 80s? Like, compare fingerprints. This was, 86. like, when it first... Like, computers, they could just be like... No. Same? You gotta fucking physically match them? Seems crazy back in the day. I didn't think about that question, because this is, like, 86. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, computers exist, but they're not. They're like the computers that take up big rooms. No, not that big. They just take up like a table. Well, they didn't have the, all their fingerprints in a computer system. That's for right. sure. Right. So you gotta like. I don't know. Fucking sit them well, on there top you of go. Each you other just ruined my whole topic. <laughs> Debunk. You gotta think of these things. Um. So yeah, Gordon Jensen was actually Curtis Kimball, and not long before this, in 1985. Curtis Kimball was involved in a DUI accident with Lisa, the little girl in the back seat, while they were in Orange County. He was fingerprinted then, too. So, sorry, that's how he... This was before. So, he was fingerprinted. He got the DUI. They do have his fingerprints on file now. But they did let him go, and him and Lisa took off from there. And became RV people. Yes. Okay, glad you got that. So two years after this, after the RV incident where he gave away his little girl, Gordon Jensen was pulled over, and he was pulled over by the cops, and they found that the vehicle that he had was stolen, and he's now going by the name Gerald Mockerman. Interesting. With social security number to match. Uh Uh-oh. So the authorities are able to identify him as Curtis Kimball. He's actually Curtis Kimball. Based on his fingerprint. And he's arrested and charged with the stolen vehicle. Yes, based through his fingerprints. So the authorities are able to identify him as Curtis Kimball. Don't even ask why. And he's arrested and charged with the stolen vehicle, child molestation, and child abandonment. Through a plea deal, he's only charged with the child abandonment. So the courts just... I feel like that's not the worst of the three. It's not. That's. I guess they just... Plea deals... Worked not very well back then, or maybe Probably they don't just work very well now either. Maybe they were just like, "This guy's guilty. Let's just keep him in prison." I'll say I'm guilty if it's only this charge. Less work for them because they're lazy. So through just getting child abandonment, he's charged. He only serves one year of three year sentence. I think he did like eighteen months or something. He's released on parole in 1990, but he just never shows up for his first meeting. He just 
disappeared take, again. As, disappeared. As off. he did by previous, yep. you know, activity. Like, yep. they should have known. So the little girl was taken from the Deckers by CPS, and she was eventually adopted. Why wouldn't they have left her with them? I, I don't know. They might not have wanted her at that point. I don't know, because it, they never really signed adop- adoption papers. Right. And then it's just like, I mean, she's a child of, we don't know her parents at all. I know it works that way in the movies where they're just like, I'll take the girl. Right. And then they're just like, okay. All right, easy for us. <laughs> yeah. I'll teach the boy. Come, my son. I'll show you the ways of the herd. So we're going to move on to December 1999. Nine-year gap. Nine-year gap. Um, this is actually New Year's Eve. So a Korean chemist did, named... Did you, oh, you did say December. Yeah, like, December no, 1999. November. I was like, New Year's Eve is not in November. So a Korean chemist named Eun Soon Joon... She's actually a Korean. Oh, I don't know a Korean one. Probably just like in the Nazi song, aren't they uh, a dictatorship? Well, is she North Korean or South Korean? Probably South Korean. It just says Korean. It's probably South Korean. Probably. Never mind. Um, so a Korean chemist named Eun Soon Joon goes to a New Year's Eve party where she introduces her new boyfriend, Larry Vanner. The family does not like Larry from the start because he's way too old for Unsun. She's fifty year old dude. He's I think he's like sixty. She's in her forties. Um he's super weird. He's way dirty. <laughs> like he's got dirt on his fingernails and just nasty. Just imagine dude. Frank from Always Sunny. God, you are disgusting. A disgusting animal. <laughs> That's yep. There, yeah, perfect. He's in, he's giving off evil vibes though. So over the next couple years, Unsun became estranged from her family and friends. After I think she called her cousin who threw that party like a couple days later, and she was like, "The dude's dirty. He's nasty. He's old. You shouldn't be dating him." And she was just and she like, chose him over her family. Yep. Do you have a big old dong or something? I think he was really charming. He had real nice blue eyes. Real charming, nice blue eyes, but he's dirty as fuck, and evil exudes off of him. She was... Retarded. Entering, no, entering her 40s. She never found love, because she's never... What other choices do I have? Yeah, she never really found love, because she was kind of shy about that kind of thing, I guess. Right. So this guy, he meets her, he's super charming, she's all in... She leaves you, her family for him. You dick. Smell like dog cheese. But I love you. <laughs> Wrong accent. <laughs> so now, during this time, we're going to go back to New Hampshire for a little bit. The case with the barrels, remember? I remember. Okay. The case is cold at this point. It's been cold for like 15 years. Right. And it's assigned to another, he's a state trooper, I believe, named John Cody. So he goes out to the site. To look at it where the barrels were found. He just kind of walks around and he walks so far that he happens to find another barrel. What are the chances of that? I don't know. Not it's good, a, I it, like. It's about 300 yards away. That's a long... I think he was just walking in the woods. I mean, point. imagine how many directions you can walk 300 yards in. That's true. And but he, he finds to find it. He finds another barrel, opens it up, two kids in there. Still got some nasty white white goop. Yeah, and so was this in plastic. like similar timeline? 
like the barrel was put there in 85? Yes, or? and they just never found it. I'll go over that a little bit more a little bit later. So we'll go back to Yoon Soon Jun, the Korean. I think this is about 2002 at this time. So her friend, Renee Rose, who is in like a ceramics class with Eun Soon Jun. Sexy. Um, becomes friends with her and stuff. So she's trying to get a hold of... I'm just going to call her June now. Is that okay? Um, no. When, call her she, by her last name. She, that's June. Oh, call her by her first name. Okay. <laughs> she's trying to get a hold of Yoon Sun. Because uh, they were going to discuss a trip that they were planning to take together. And her now husband, Larry, the boyfriend that she brought to the party, answers the phone. He's always has a different reason on why she can't talk on the phone. She went to Oregon to take care of her dying mother. She went to Oregon because um, she's depressed or something. Bitch is dead. Yeah. Well, but, and then he's just like, bitch, she doesn't like you anymore. Stop calling her. So finally, Renee, her friend is like, dude, I'm going on vacation for 10 days. If she hasn't just called and left a message on my answer machine, I just want to hear her voice. She could tell me herself that she doesn't want to be friends with me anymore, and that's fine. She gives him a 10-day ultimatum. If you don't do that, I'm going to the cops. Guess what happened? He disappeared. Not, nope, not yet. Didn't have enough time. He had a 10-day like warning. Yeah, but she never made the message. When she gets back, she does call the police. So Larry was brought in for questioning about the whereabouts of Yunsun, his wife. They did get married, but it wasn't like an official It was marriage. official, but not a big wedding. Yeah, it was like in their backyard where somebody was like, you're married. All you need is a certificate. They didn't have that. Was, oh. I read, what do you call that? Where you've been living together so long that it's, you're just married? Uh, I can't think of what it's called. Common law. Yeah. Kind of like that, but not really his wife legally, just his ceremonial wife. So he's not real worried about his wife. Like the cops are trying to find this chick because she's been labeled as missing. Right. You think her husband would try to help find her if she's missing. Right. Unless he did the missing. Unless. So he's answering that questions and stuff, but he's always kind of, he's not really answering the question, but he just kind of skirts around it and he'll yeah. tell a story or something like that. He says Yunsen is in Oregon overseeing construction of a cabin on some land that he had up there. Um, and then he's like, well, she's in care of a psychiatrist in Oregon. He won't let the police call her or give her a number to contact her because he's like, your call could give her an anxiety attack. <sighs> It'll trigger her. Yeah. She don't like pork. We support the police. <laughs> he did make a call to somebody. It's on the tape of the interview. He made a call to somebody, and he just kind of waits a second and hangs up the phone. Through the video, they know what number he contacted. They contacted them, and it was a psychiatrist in Eugene, Oregon. And But he didn't know nothing about Asian lady. Um. Oh, yeah. The psychiatrist? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, are you in the care of Unsun Jun? And they were like, through patient doctor confidentiality, we can't tell you. I'll never tell. So the cops were like, if we were to give you a description of a woman, could you tell us if you're treating her or not? And they were like, Korean. And the doctor was like, nope. Never. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, they described her to the doctor and he's like, no, I'm not nobody in my care. So she's not there where he said she's supposed to be. Um, so they ask him for fingerprints, and he voluntarily gives them up. He's stunned, so they go to a different 
They have to go to a different building to do that, so they transport him with some cops and stuff. The cops that with that's with him is like, so this guy might be a murder investigation. So, but he's not answering their questions or giving up anything of his past. So the cop notices that his accent is not from California where they're at at the time, and she's trying to get get it out of him. Like, hey, where's that accent from? She has a weird accent too. She's from Long Island, so she's like, I'm from Long Island, and. Like she said, it's like a light switch goes off and his eyes just go like dead or... Like you knew he was caught? No, like a, I'm going to kill you or something. Like oh. Just dead behind the eyes, monstrous or something like that. And he's like, that's none of your goddamn business. And then it just goes back to small talk between the two. Like he flips the switch back off and hmm. he's a normal guy. So um, go to that different building. They take the prince. He goes back to the last building back into the interview room a couple hours later and they already have the results you can see on the tape that he's super surprised that it comes back so fast at the time he thought he could probably leave and then get out of there right and the last time he was in jail was like 10 years ago so maybe the technology was not that fast last time yeah i mean from then to 2002 right like so he's super surprised because that comes back he gave him the name Larry Vanner, and his, his prints come back as Curtis Kimball, the guy that um, child got child abandonment. Right. And then also as Gordon Jensen, the one that got stolen vehicle and the DUI, I believe. Right. They know Curtis Kimball broke his parole. So if this guy's Curtis Kimball, he's on his parole, he broke that, we can legally go search his residence without a warrant to look for this lady. So... They go to the house, search it. There's nothing. There's no hidden missing person there. They go out to the garage. They find a crawl space. They go in and China three, woman. Three feet of kitty litter. That wasn't sand. That was kitty litter. Ew. Three feet high, like five foot wide. Like he threw her on the ground and dumped a bunch of kitty litter on top of her. Yeah, to for the smell. So they start. They bring forensics in. They start searching through the pile of kitty litter. First thing that finds a mummified foot, and it's got a flip flop on it. So they test that. Turns out to be Yun Jun. They, they just left the foot there and tested no, they the took foot. the foot. They left the whole body there. Okay. Yeah, and then they brought in a a blower and just blew away all the kitty litter. And you said this was in his garage. Yeah, it says crawl space in the garage. Under the garage, I guess. But it seemed like enough room to at least stand up. And there was. Uh, there was, like, work lights all around it. They find, like, cutting tools. and So she was chopped up under there? Yeah. Couldn't even be bothered with burying it? Another one. No. He did tell the neighbors that, hey, if you smell anything, I've just been killing rats and been doing some extermination in the garage. So and Don't look for my wife either. Yeah. <laughs> so Larry is under arrest. He goes to trial. The DA wants a tighter case because they really don't have anything connecting him to his garage? Yes. What about the house? Her house. That he lived at? Yes. But, I mean, you can't... You have to put him in the act. Like, there's got to be something where she was dead to be like... If there's maybe a print on her or something like that. So he just wants a real tight case. They got him, but they he wants it tighter to where the jury's like, for sure, he's guilty he did this. Do it like a tiger! So he asked that investigator the scene. He wants her to do a little bit more digging. So 
there's some fiduciary crimes. Like he's he's on video going to a bank and spending her money. Her money, Unsun's money. So the cop just happened. She watched that video. That just happened to be her old beat. So she knows everything around there where he, the bank that he went. So she's like, "Holy shit! There's a pet store close to there." So she goes to the pet store. She asks the owner, "Hey." Has anybody been in here that bought a shit ton of kitty litter? And he's like, yeah, this dude came in and bought 10 bags, 25-pound bags. I think he would have, like, knew to buy them at different places or, like, one at a time. Again, I'm just, I'm thinking maybe the technology is new. Like, maybe he didn't know he was on camera doing it or something. Yeah. But still. He's old. He don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's like 60 at this point. So they've got him. They've got him with all the kitty litter. I just threw all that in there. I didn't know she was under it, chopped up. See, that's not enough for me. Like, he had a cat, but they found it dead that day that they were searching the house. Like, somebody killed him, threw it behind the fence or something. But he didn't have a cat. He could have just been like, yeah, my cat shits a lot, so... I don't like going to the store, so I just bought a bunch so I don't have to go. It's not that tight of a case to me, but whatever. Anyway, but maybe, like, him having the other aliases, breaking parole, he skipped, stolen vehicle, child molestation, maybe they were just like, fuck it, you're going to jail. Yeah, you did it. We know you did it. Yeah. So while that cop was searching, once, like, digging into the details of his crime and stuff, she realizes that he's got that charge of child abandonment. She finds she wants to find out what happened to that child. Calls the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department, and she's like, "What happened to this girl?" And they're like, uh, "She went to CPS." She's like, "Did you ever find out who she was or who her actual family was?" And they're just like, "No, just gave her to another family." So she's like, "Well, you can't just leave that. You need to actually do some work, some detective work, and find out who she is." What does it matter to them? It's just the right thing to do. So they did have a paternity test on the little girl. She's 22 at this time. Um, They find out that this guy, Curtis Campbell, Larry Vanner, is not her dad. So he took her from the barrel people. Somewhere. So he was actually arrested under the name Curtis Campbell. So they were just like, well, Curtis Campbell's not her dad. Hello, darkness. So Curtis Campbell would die in prison in 2010 from a pulmonary emphysema, pneumonia, and lung cancer. All of that at the same time? All that. That's pretty much lung cancer, pneumonia. That's pretty much all the same thing. I mean, like, coming from the same place. In the body. So, in 2016, through genealogy forensics, this is the first time when it's actually used. The other most Ever? famous... T- yeah. The, the other famous time is going to be the next big serial killer, the Golden State Killer. Have you ever heard of him? That's where they found him, like, when he was real old. Yeah, so, because they used this method to find somebody... I think it was his daughter or something put her... It was like the... Spit on the tube and sent it to like yeah. 23 and Me yeah. or whatever it is. So they were able to find him. So, like, you, if your cousin or any of your family members do that, they've got your DNA on right. file. But this is the first time that's used. So it's found out that Lisa, her real name was Dawn Bowden. They found all her relatives, and they say that her mom, Denise Bowden, she's from New Hampshire. One day, she leaves with her boyfriend, Bob Evans. The mom, Bob Evans, the child, they leave. So Denise is actually never seen again. They don't know what happened to her, but of course, it's highly suspected that Bob Evans killed her. 
through DNA evidence, it was found out that Bob Evans fathered one of the unidentified girls in the barrels. So the mom and two, the mom and one girl are related. The one that's in her same barrel. Right. Then they find the other barrel with two other kids. So the mom, oldest girl, and one of the other girls are her kids. And then one of the girls, they had no idea who she was. And it comes out that he is her biological father. Woman's not her mom. So they have no idea who the mom of that kid Bob is. Bob Evans. Well, yeah, he's the dad. They don't know who the mom and is. Who's, or like, who's Bob Evans? It's coming. It's going to be the same guy. Yeah. So through a podcast on this case that came out in 2017, a librarian becomes real interested in it. She starts doing her own work, trying to solve who the woman and her children are that are in the barrels. Through her investigation, she learns that the name of the woman and the children, she learns the name in 2019. The woman is Marlise Honeychurch. She's got her two children, Marie and Sarah. Now we're going to go back to the very start of the case. This guy, Terry, he divorced his first wife, and he would move to California. So there he meets Marlise Honeychurch, this guy, Terry Rasmussen. He meets Marlise and her two kids. Gets She's super close with her family, but... She's dating Terry, and he starts to drive a wedge between her and her family. So one night, Thanksgiving Day, she brings Terry over to meet her family, and they don't like him. Weird, evil. He's too old for her, too. Marlise gets into it with her mom. They have a big argument, and she's just like, fuck you guys, I'm leaving. So she takes her kids and her boyfriend. They leave California, and they're never seen again. He takes... Marlies and her family to New Hampshire. He wants to move her far away from her, her family as she can. And he even goes so far as, like, if her family comes looking, they're not going to find me. He changes his name to Bob Evans in Manchester, New Hampshire. The famous coffee place. The famous coffee place. So he takes a job as a head electrician, and he's helping to decommission this textile mill. He would test the machines, see if there's a current running through them there's not they would disable the machines or anything in this whole building they put it on a truck they take it 20 minutes away and they would drop everything at this guy his name was ed gallagher and he owns the land that skirts the uh bear brook state park okay bob evans gets in good with ed gallagher his boss they become friends they hang out at the bar and stuff he never goes into his past or who he actually is they're just kind of hanging out yeah, dudes don't do that. Yeah. So, he doesn't even talk to anybody else in the town. So, he does have Marlise and her two kids. But nobody knows about them. Because they didn't talk about them. Right. So, it's real easy. Like... I mean, they didn't go to school? No. So, nobody even noticed when another little girl just happened to join their family. So, now we have mom, two little girls, and then some other little girl somewhere. Where did that kid come from? No idea. Um... But that was that other little girl that they couldn't identify. Right. The one that's not related to that woman. But through DNA evidence, they could say for a fact that he is her dad, but they don't know who the mom is. But they don't also don't know where she came from. Nope. No idea. But, I mean, it's her. Was it's she his. with him before they, when they moved from California? Don't know. No, like, it's in New Hampshire that it finally comes. It's just like, oh, you have three kids now, but... Nobody knows who the mom and her two kids are, so it doesn't really matter. So um, it's really easy for Terry to get rid of them because nobody knows who they are. Nobody's going to miss them if they're gone. He puts the bodies in the two barrels at this shop that he works at. And then um, he may have gotten the people that work 
to de- to move all this material may have gotten them to load the barrels on the truck and then move them to the bear state and just dump them. Yeah, and without them even knowing, they're just, they're just moving a barrel, two right. barrels, but there's happens to be bodies in there. From there, he moves on to uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, and that's where he meets Denise Bowden. And he does the same thing that he does with Marlies. He's her new boyfriend, drives a wedge between her and her close family. She gets mad, kind of weird again on Thanksgiving holiday. And she leaves with her child. And uh, at this time, he's Bob Evan. We don't know what happened to Denise, but her daughter is Lisa, like we said earlier. So he took that girl from her... They moved to California. I guess he is. He might be doing some uh, pedophile. Right. She might be. Uh, she might be abused. Right. I mean, it sounds like it. But, yeah. Was. So the I think I said through the DNA, she's Denise's daughter, but that's not her dad. Right. Okay. So that's really the end of the story. Um, he is connected yeah. to the murders in the barrels because of that girl that he did father. He was working there at the time, so he could have done it. Right. I mean, who else would have done it? Right. So, he's got the name. Bob Evans, Curtis Mayo Kimball, Gordon Jensen, Jerry Mockerman, Larry Vanner, and Terry Rasmussen. So, six. He's six. He's been six different people. I think he's even got some kills that they might think are him. So, I think I might have left this out. So, all the people in the barrels were wrapped up in electric wire or electric tape. I think it was wire. Um, who else? Yun Sun Jun, the chick that was in all the kitty litter. I think she did have some parts wrapped in electric wire. This guy happened to be an electrician. So there's this one other murder that might be connected to him. I don't remember where it was, but this girl was wrapped up in electric wire, thrown in a... Vat of kitty litter. No, uh, fridge. I can't remember if it was just left out in the desert or if he dug a hole and put it in it. So he does... He's attributed to the four people in the barrel. They died by like head bludgeoning, so they were beaten to death and then put in the barrels. Um, Yoon Sun Jun and Denise Bowden, so six people. But they think it was more. Possible. So yeah, he did die in prison. He never said anything. All this stuff pretty much came after he was dead through extra genealogy, forensics, and stuff. So... Pretty good case. Interesting. Yeah, never heard of this one. Yeah, they call him the chameleon killer because he changed his alias, changed his skin all the time. He was always moving something. But he looked the same the whole time. He did look the same. His personality. They should have named him the Mr. Name Changey. Yeah, Mr. That's why you're the naming (laughs) guy. (laughs) What's our new superhero's (laughs) name? Mr. Name (laughs) Changey. He changes his name, so. Genius! Genius, genius, genius. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys for listening. Again, at the beginning of the show, if you've uh, been listening to us for a while, we appreciate you guys. If you're new to the show, please stick with us. We're pretty fun, and we'll give you the facts and good topics to go along with the comedy. Only the facts. Yeah. Ma'am. Remember, we're on Facebook. You can slide in our DMs. Tell us anything you want to. You can suggest new topics. We're on Instagram. If you don't mind, rate us or review us anywhere on any streaming platform that you can. The most we want it on is Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. So we'll see you next week for another episode of the Beer Conspiracy Show. We keep it sexy. We didn't keep it sexy. You wouldn't listen. Hips and nips forever.